The TARDIS is outside. So? So all of the time and all the space is sitting out there in a big blue box. Please, don't even argue. Everybody, welcome to the Geek Generation. I am your host Rob Logan, and joining me in the studio today, Mike Volpe. Hello, and a new co-host, Matt West. Hey, what's going on? What is up? You might recognize the name from being a frequent Smash Up writer, but uh, I feel like we should tell them a little bit about how we know you or how met you originally. Yeah, uh, well, through the wonderful world of professional wrestling, basically, um, I met Mike first in the uh, the Loomis Woods. Oh boy, the Loomis <laughs> Arena where he just beat on us relentlessly and uh, puke drills or whatever it was called. You ruined my life with that, by the way. Like that tormented. Oh, me. that's right. You were partially responsible for training him, right? Yeah, at the beginning for a couple of weeks. I think it wasn't that a couple oh, first couple of months, couple and then months, it was yeah. I got hurt my neck. Right, and then you went and ended up back over at, and I ended up at Bob's Slam Tech, right? And that's where I met Rob at Slam Tech. Yeah, yeah. Yep. The good old days of Slam Tech, <laughs> kicking right. our own asses in the <laughs> warehouse. Yeah, it's not glamorous whatsoever. No, Slam not Tech at all. sounds like it would be a prestigious wrestling university, but <laughs> high technology Slam Tech. Yeah, exactly. Um, as we move into the show today, first, I want to give a huge thank you to all the people that used our Amazon link during the holiday season. Uh, that is always our biggest month, December of every year, as people are using it for their holiday shopping. So we really, really appreciate that. That helps keep this show free for us and allows us to keep doing it free for you. Uh, and if you want to help us continuing, not just through the holiday season, but throughout the rest of the year, that link is thegeekgeneration.com slash Amazon. When you go there and you shop. Anything you buy, we get a little kickback from that. It costs no extra money for you. It's really just a way to give us free money in the best, easiest possible way. Because you're going to shop anyway, so you might as well do it through thegeekgeneration.com slash Amazon. Also, I am trying to get away from our Facebook page as much as possible because Facebook sucks. And it is getting worse all the time. Is it getting worse? They're tightening that kind of reach more and more like the percentage of people you reach from your likes Mm -hmm. is getting smaller and smaller and smaller because they want you to pay more and more and more which does nothing anyway no it doesn't i tried no it's garbage so even though we appreciate people liking our facebook page and maybe someday they'll reverse it but probably not i am encouraging people to follow us on our tumblr page instead you can of course just go to thegeekgeneration.com and see everything we do over there or if you want to get a more social media perspective on things that we do you can go to thegeekgeneration.com slash tumblr and follow us there that way you can also share our stuff too which we also really appreciate and uh do that or whole organic social media reach thing that likes to happen um, the first thing we're going to do before we get into a ton of news, because we haven't done news in a long time, is everybody's favorite segment, The Smash Up. Oh, smash! So it's been a while. Uh, it was prior to the holidays when we gave you the last Smash Up category. And our last one was to Christmas ties, a non-Christmas movie. And I'm a little worried that some people didn't fully understand my intent with this one, because I got a lot of things that while they are Christmassy, didn't really kind of fit the 
the the idea I had in my brain. So maybe I did not explain it as well as I thought. The goal was to kind of do the whole wordplay thing and make something sound like it belongs in the title, but have it be Christmassy. Or to well, yeah, you kind of had to do that, but then the uh, the extra stuff was optional on top of that. So the examples I had given were the Dark Knight Before Christmas, Schindler's Naughty or Nice List, hmm. and Treeminator Two Judgment Slay. So kind of sounds like Terminator Two Judgment Day, and yet I feel like some people just kind of switched the word in Christmas somewhere or something else Christmassy yeah. that didn't really sound like it belonged. Uh, Treeminator Two Judgment Slay when disgruntled elves have taken over the future and banned the celebrating of Christmas. A robotic tree is sent back in time to protect a young St. Nick and save the holiday from a shape-shifting tinsel monster. We did get lots of submissions, and we'll kind of judge them <laughs> to how well they fit as we go through. Uh, our own Damian Cranshaw wrote in, X-Men Christmas Ghosts of Future Past. Kind of works. Yeah. Kind of works. Uh, Matt West wrote in a whole bunch. I assume you don't have your own in front of you. So no, I don't. You probably can't <laughs> read them. Uh, so I'll take care of them. Batman Returns. All the crappy gifts he got for Christmas and hated. I like that one. <laughs> That's good. See, that one kind of stretches it a little bit, but it still works because the, the, the length of the exaggeration is good. Indiana Jones and the Catastrophe of the Christmas Sweater. I think you were going completely on your own, like, creation of a new Christmas oh, yeah. <laughs> movie here. After finding his annoying son Mutt in the panned Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, Henry Indiana Jones Jr. faces his first Christmas as a father and a gift his son gave him, the tackiest Christmas sweater to ever uh, to have ever been knit. Halloween 1225. I assume that doesn't mean Halloween 12. Like, it's just the date 1225. Right, right. <laughs> Although, we'll, we will get to the Halloween 12 point at some point. Uh, Halloween 1225, a Michael Myers Christmas. Mad Max Beyond Christmas Dome. The post-apocalyptic former police officer Mad Max ventures out to the most dangerous place on the most dangerous day. The department store on Black Friday. Meet Christmas Dome. 100 men enter, only a couple leave with a bargain. And finally, the dark Joe Pesci comedy, Eight Elves Heads in a Duffel Bag. Emily Kioski writes in, So I Married an Elf Murderer. <laughs> Which, yes, we know what the parody is, but elf and axe don't work. Like, that's not a switch that makes sense, necessarily. Mm. Like, the wordplay's got a <laughs> rhyme or something. Uh, Aaron Shuck writes in. Chuck, 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 Chuck. I feel like I need parody songs for some people. I have Dude. them in my brain, but I don't have the musical talent to create them, and I can't sing. We do have someone in the studio that does have musical talent, <laughs> and it's not Mike Volpe. No, it's not me. <laughs> uh, Aaron Shuck writes in with Bill and Ted's bogus journey to the manger. <laughs> I'd watch that. <laughs> I think I would too. Yeah. Uh, Rudy the Red-Nosed Defensive End. Rudy has always been told that his nose was too bright to play reindeer football, but he is determined to overcome the odds and fulfill his dream of playing for the University of the North Pole. Dan Clark writes in, Citizen Candy Cane. Mm. That one definitely works. And Christmas Spirited Away, which also definitely works. So uh, we were a little hit and miss on the smash up this time, but I'm hoping next one will be much, much easier and this is lesser sci-fi sequels. We are in 2015. Uh, that made me think of Back to the Future 2, of mm -hmm. course. And I figured if we're going to create some sci-fi sequels of our own, let's do it and make them worse than the original. Sometimes that is difficult. You can do wordplay here, like with the original title, or you can just add a good subtitle uh, and make it the sequel. So there are options on this one. Examples. Robo Mall Cop. 
Not quite as good as the original. <laughs> His territory is a little lamer. Minority Report 2, Deportation Unit. <laughs> I apologize for this one prior to going in. <laughs> that means it's good. <laughs> Blade Runner 2, I shot my girlfriend through the bathroom door. Oh. Not good. Not good. And uh, if you guys don't know the, the topical reference on that, I apologize for you. Or you're better off for it. Maybe. And lastly, Star Wars Episode Eight: The Force Suffers from Narcolepsy. <laughs> <laughs> so if you have a smash-up for a lesser sci-fi sequel, you can email those to podcasts at thegeekgeneration.com or tweet them to at geekgeneration. If you have ideas for a future smash-up category, please send those in too. We always appreciate those. Before we head into the news, I feel like I'm doing a lot of advertising as we go through this. but That's okay. Yeah, we got to keep this free somehow. Uh, if you'd like to help us out, you can go to thegeekgeneration.com slash support. This is another way to do it even more directly than using the Amazon. Uh, but this one does actually cost you money. You will go to our Patreon page where you can sign up to become a patron. Choose an amount, and that amount will be donated every month. We're asking for $1 a month if you want to give us more. We appreciate that, too. Again, that's thegeekgeneration.com slash support. News time. The first thing we got to touch on is obviously the big controversy that was going on with the interview and all the things that's happened. We haven't mm. really gone over news since the initial thing broke, and it's kind of all over at this point for the most part. We lost. <laughs> we lost. Yeah, because we watched the movie. That's how we lost. Oh, uh, I didn't watch it. Following the massive Sony hack by North Korea, the five largest theaters in North America announced they will no longer show Sony Pictures movie The Interview. Following the announcement by the theaters, Sony Pictures officially canceled the December 25th release of the movie, releasing the following statement. In light of the decision by the majority of our exhibitors not to show the film The Interview, we have decided not to move forward with the planned December 25th theatrical release. We respect and understand our partner's decision and, of course, completely share their paramount interest in the safety of employees and theater goers. Announcing that North Korea was indeed responsible for the hack, President Obama got involved in the controversy, and issuing <laughs> the following statement. We cannot have a society in which some dictator someplace can start imposing censorship here in the United States, because if somebody is able to intimidate us out of releasing a satirical movie, imagine when they start doing uh, imagine what they start doing once they see a documentary that they don't like or news reports that they don't like. That's not who we are. That's not what America is about. Agreed. Agreed. Sony did what they could to reassure fans who were excited to see the movie, saying, It is still our hope that anybody who wants to see this movie will get the opportunity to do so. And they apparently kept their word, as the film was released on December 24th, a day early, for online digital rental and purchase, grossing $15 million in its first four days of availability. Mm. Did either of you, Mike, you said you didn't see it. Matt, did no, you watch no, it? I didn't see it. No, you're both better off for it. Okay. <laughs> because I did watch it and it was pretty stupid, which we kind of all knew going yeah. in. But at the same time, as much as I don't think this movie should have been censored, I will say that there were parts of this movie that were certainly in poor taste. Mm. Because to do I need to spoiler alert this? It's probably stupid. Either way, nobody cares. Nobody cares. To watch uh, another country's dictator's head get blown up in slow motion is, is probably, awesome. It's <laughs> awesome, but also <laughs> is is not necessarily the best thing to be doing in media and like making fun of it at the same time. Because 
they're threatening with nuclear weapons. And whether whether or not they're directly threatening us or not, that's never a good direction to really go into. Like, what would our country do if they were making movies where they were killing President Obama? Granted, we would probably do actually nothing. But right. would we not get riled up about that, too, as a nation? Well, the media gets all worked up when somebody burns a flag. So right. Imagine. Oh, our country's so fucking sensitive. Yeah. Nobody can ever do anything. You can't say anything anymore like without getting. a hormonal getting. woman. Yeah. <laughs> See, that right there. I feel like you need to apologize now because you said something that might have offended somebody. <laughs> I apologize for nothing. I know. And that's I, the way it should be. I'd be the worst be. president ever. Or like <laughs> celebrity. I'd get a I mean, like, I don't apologize. Yeah. I, can, I can only imagine what would happen if there was this level of uh, internet access or whatever when Team America World Police came up because it was right. his father. Oh, yeah. They made you know with the hero, yeah, completely yeah. racist. Um, again, it was satirical, but I mean, this was his father, and mm-hmm. similar thing. I mean, even more offensive movie, really. How and, many movies where uh, they went after uh, Saddam, right? And right, like all the movies of what the the eighties and stuff, seventies. <laughs> right. It's one thing to poke fun; it's another to like laugh while you're killing yeah. the guy. So I don't know. There were some things, and one, it's a stupid Seth Rogen movie. But like then, these are never good anyway. They released the Seal Team Six movie mm-hmm. about killing Obama. Why was there no riot over that? About killing Obama, uh, Osama. <laughs> you know what I mean, right? Right. Sorry. Well, for one, there was no one to fight back. No, I think but... that's the biggest reason, and it was uh, a realistic depiction of a true story. Like this one this is. This could just... be a realistic depiction of what's going to happen. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I think it's a debate that can go back and forth and whatever. I do think it is important that we are not censoring our media in any way. Mm. And they absolutely had this right to make this movie. I will not take that away from them. If they want to create that thing, I think it's in poor taste a little bit, but they absolutely have that right to do that. So whatever. So do you think the United States had anything to do with the fallout uh, where the Internet of North Korea was out for like 24 hours? Obama sort of alluded to, well, we're not going to mention all the ways that we're going to strike back. But there was like a complete like the whole country was out of Internet for over a day. And there was some some hinting maybe that it was tied to sort of retribution for the Sony hack. Oh, wow. I didn't even realize yeah. that that was a thing that happened. Good. That was like a week and a half ago, two weeks ago. Maybe it was a way for maybe North Korea took it out themselves as a way to they, like protect their uh, image from their own residents. I don't know. <laughs> Conspiracy theories everywhere. Mm. Uh, there was more fallout from it because. The fallout from the Sony hack continued with the announcement that 20th Century Fox has canceled a planned North Korea set thriller starring Steve Carell that Gore Verbinski was to direct. The director has issued the following statement about the cancellation. I was told by New Regency and Fox that Fox will no longer be distributing the film. Prior to that, the film was greenlit and fully funded by New Regency with Fox distributing. I've been told in no uncertain terms, uh, no uncertain words, that based on the situation at Sony, Fox has now decided to not distribute the film. Without a distributor, New Regency was forced to shut the film down. My thoughts? I find it ironic that fear is eliminating the possibility to tell stories that depict our ability to overcome fear. He's completely right. And now North Korea is completely untouchable. Yes. Like, Mm -hmm. now they're going to control, I don't know, any movie we make that references them. Mm Mm-hmm. Because now they're just going to do the same thing. Like, ah, you shouldn't release that. Right. We'll right. hack you. Well, I think it's really not necessarily the content of the movie. It's the fact that it was being promoted as a movie where, I mean, the original title was, what was it? Kill Kim Jong-un. Like, that yeah. was the name. Kill Kim Jong-un. 
Mm-hmm. So that's the way it's being promoted. That's the entire purpose of the film. That's the message you're putting out there. That's why it came across as in poor taste, I think. If they had just called it the interview from the beginning mm-hmm. and the whole premise of the movie wasn't necessary to go kill <laughs> kill Kim Jong-un, then it might not have been perceived by North Korea the way that it was. But even so, at the end of the day, they didn't like a movie that we made. Right. And they were able to directly influence the outcome of that. Right. I mean, granted, the movie is still available and anyone can see it, but it wasn't released. Even though I wouldn't recommend it because it's just not that good. Released in the theaters. Yeah. You know, at the same time, I wonder with uh, Gore Verbinski can, uh, having that film canceled, was anybody really clamoring for a Steve Carell thriller? I mean, I mean, honestly, I mean, the guy's a great comedian. Right, right. I love when he's on, you know, whatever he's done with the, the comedy side of things. But um, I don't know if he's going to stretch the chops that far. Right. Well, after uh, I haven't seen it yet, but I've heard a lot of good things about his performance in Foxcatcher and how dark and gritty it is, which definitely is not a comedy. So uh, I don't know. I, I sometimes comedic actors, though, do have that ability. We've seen a lot of them like Jim Carrey specifically kind of jumping right. over to dramas and things and really being good at that stuff because i think personally it's it's so much harder to do comedy so if you can do that then it's a lot easier to do the other stuff but uh let's get out of political crap because god i hate that (laughs) i felt like we had to talk about it a little bit though disney and lucasfilm have revealed the names of the characters seen in the star wars the force awakens teaser trailer through images styled after old school tops trading cards which i think is the coolest part of this whole thing they've really been doing things very right with the promotion of the Star Wars film. What do you guys think? I saw the trading cards and I just wanted to know when they're going to put the actual series out. I have no <laughs> no room in my place to put trading cards, yet if they come out, I probably will start buying them. <laughs> right. I, I feel like trading cards are a weird collector's thing to have, even though I was definitely one of those kids myself and had like baseball cards mm-hmm. and uh, comic book cards and things like that because they're not very displayable. Like, you have them and you stick them in a book somewhere. And, like, what do you do with that? I guess you can sell them in the future. But as far as, like, having it and displaying it, it doesn't really work that well. Right. Unless you're posting them on the internet now, like Star Wars did. (laughs) Uh, Some of the names revealed include Oscar Isaac's character as Poe Dameron, Daisy Ridley's character as Rey. She's the female that you see in the teaser. John Boyega's Stormtrooper character as Finn. The new Sith character as Kylo Ren. And the ball droid as BB-8. One of the things I think is interesting, too, is we still don't know who's playing that Sith character. No clue whatsoever. Some people have been like, oh, it's Luke Skywalker. I'm like, did you see how thin he was compared to how Mark (laughs) Hamill looks now? That makes no sense whatsoever. incredible CGI. Yeah, that would have to be George Lucas level of CGI. (laughs) And I don't know if they're going that route on this one. Paramount Pictures has set a release date of July 8th, 2016 for Star Trek 3. The year marks the 50th anniversary of Gene Roddenberry's enduring sci-fi franchise. In addition to the release date, the studio has also set the Fast and the Furious franchise helmer, Justin Lin, to direct the film, replacing the previously announced Bob Orsi. Orsi has since confirmed that he is no longer involved with the script of the third movie and will serve in a production capacity only. So his role has dramatically dropped uh, to where this was going to be his directorial debut mm-hmm. and he was going to be heavily involved in the script writing. And now he's doing neither of those things, which is very odd. He pissed off somebody, Rob. <laughs> it's very possible. <laughs> he pissed off the wrong guy. It's very possible. Are you guys excited for a Star Trek three? I didn't see the first two yet. No, I, I really like the first to. one. Yeah, but. the second one was okay. The first one I thought was really good. Yeah. Um, I'm interested to see which direction it takes now that J.J. Uh, Abrams is not tied into it anymore. 
I mean, he had his hand so deeply into it, and now to go with now with Fast and the Furious franchise, Homer. I mean, it's like well, we'll see which where, where they go. I'll, I'll see it. It may be one of those movies that, with everything coming out, that ends up being either waiting for it on Netflix or uh, or renting mm, it. Yeah. Do you think getting someone like Justin Lin is kind of implying that we're gonna have even more action packed than the prior two? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. How about uh, as far as like if 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 you had to trade off. Let's say you can have Star Trek three and continue that franchise or we get a new Star Trek series on television. Would you take one over the other? I think Star Trek is is proven that it really stands the test of time when it's on tele- uh, TV. I agree. I'm dying for a new Star Trek series. I never watched Enterprise, to be honest, but uh, and I do feel they kind of got progressively worse as the series went on and they kind of wore themselves a little thin. Uh, but I think it's time for something new, and maybe maybe the 50th anniversary year will bring us a new Star Trek series. I'm hoping. Viola Davis has been cast as Amanda Waller in the upcoming Suicide Squad movie. Created in 1986, Waller is the creator and government liaison of the Suicide Squad. Waller hand-selected the members of the team, which are housed in Belle Reve Prison. Her inability to compromise and relentlessness earned her the nickname the wall what do you think about this casting well you're looking uh, first of all she's uh spent most of her life in central falls rhode island so represent local um <laughs> and and she's also if you're not aware she's uh, an oscar nominee in the last couple of years uh, for best supporting actress uh best supporting actress i think in a drama uh it's great casting but the it, it'll be a freak out i guess in uh the next episode but uh they already have an amanda waller on the television dc universe they do who's been doing i mean she's solid she's she's doing mm. a great job and i don't have a problem with one or the other but i have a big problem with uh the lack of continuity where marvel's doing it great dc is not yeah and i think they've kind of established that the well i think they've straight out said it especially with ezra miller being cast as the flash for the yep. movie continuity is that they're really working in two different universes here they're mm. keeping the tv and the movie completely separate, whereas Marvel are kind of intertwining everything. Which is better? They Keeping stuff separate? Oh, no, you think they it should is? intertwine. Okay. Because Absolutely. you want to be familiar with the character. Right. You don't want to see Flash on TV, and then when you go to the theater, you're like, but that's not I. that other guy's Flash. Right, you know, right. you got two different people. It just doesn't work. And by the time we see Ezra Miller on the big screen, will people be such huge fans of Grant Gustin? They already are. He's awesome. And he has all this yeah. time to build up to that. Is there going to be a little bit of an outrage and being like, are you kidding? We've been watching this guy for like two, three years and he is the Flash. What are you doing? Right. So I think it's interesting. I don't know. As far as having an Amanda Waller in the TV side, uh, they do have one. But and she's okay, I think. But she's also a younger, thinner CWer. <laughs> She's definitely not the Amanda Waller of the, of the Batman cartoon universe. The exactly. Anima- the animated universe who was, you know, older and heavy set, but really an awesome character. Right. Really almost that. Is she a villain? Is she not a villain? Where is she falling into things? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think Viola Davis is kind of a medium between those two things. Like she's not a large woman by any means, no. but she's older, which brings uh, a, a perceived experience behind her that someone like the wall would have to have. And she certainly has the gravitas for a role like this. I'm very excited about this casting, even though, like you said, I would like to see more continuity between TV and movie universes. I think this casting, if we're looking at it as just standing alone by itself, is a fantastic casting. Before this, Oprah was rumored to be up for the role as well, which I could have seen, 
but I also think would have pulled a lot of people out of the movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just being yeah, like, oh, the minute she walked Oprah. on screen, yeah, exactly. You would yeah. be able oh, to spend a Oprah, right, yeah. right, and watching her try to be and a can, badass in any well, way necessarily. I haven't. I know Oprah's been in quite a few movies. Yeah, I haven't actually watched any of them. Is she a good actress? She is. She, she was is amazing in the color good. purple. I mean, yeah, that's yeah. like her, her kind of standout role. But yeah, I just couldn't see her putting it putting her into a movie that's that's based on you know a comic book property. Right, right. right. We are getting a lot more powerful actors making their way into those cinematic worlds, though. The comic book well, universe. Because look at their a huge money makers. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And these are all business people. Yep. Uh, the they're not going anywhere. Clearly, right. we're continuing on with new franchises, or we're just going to reboot, or we're going to do a fourth, a fifth, a sixth, a seventh. Mm-hmm. They're not going anywhere. They're not kitty movies anymore either. No. They're, 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 you know, the, the summer blockbusters are all the high, like the high grossing movies yeah. are all these comic book properties. Which are PG 13. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I'm surprised none of them have pushed it and gone R yet. Just because of the, the, not language or nudity, but for the violence sake. And hopefully they will. I mean, Deadpool is possibly yeah. right around the corner. We're hoping that one breaks some molds as far as what they're uh, planning to get away with. And they, mm-hmm. they have to know where their characters fit in properly. They right. can't make everything for everybody, especially if they're going to increase the amount of superhero movies that they're going to make. Yeah. You have to start aiming them at certain demographics or you're going to lose the mass in general. Mm-hmm. Moving on to some Doctor Who stuff. The BBC has confirmed that Jenna Coleman will continue her role as Clara Oswald for another season of Doctor Who. The actress said of the news, it's wonderful. I get a whole other series of stories with the doctor and I couldn't walk away with the story being unresolved. There is so much more to do. I think they finally just reached a point where they really understood each other. There was a lot of speculation at the end of this last series as to whether or not Jenna Coleman would return. The Christmas special definitely solidified her return for us. Uh, and some people are kind of mixed about that. Like they mm. want they feel like they've seen enough of Clara Oswald and that was a nice place to stop and we can move on but she's going to be around for another season Matt I know you're a Doctor Who yeah, fan yeah I'm a huge Doctor Who fan been so for a long time. what do you think about this um, she was actually originally the rumor was that the Christmas special was going to be her last appearance mm-hmm. um, and now obviously hearing that she was signed on for, for another season uh, personally I like her I like uh, while she was great with Matt Smith mm-hmm. uh, with Do- uh, with the 12th Doctor Peter Capaldi um, he's really more alien he doesn't have this you know, side of her, side of him that's, it's really big to the fangirls and whatnot. Sure. He's really more a mix of sort of the, the Tom Baker, Peter Davison sort of, he definitely is not human. He is an alien. And where Jenna Coleman is an attractive woman, super attractive. He, 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 he constantly <laughs> just cracks on how she's, you know, her face is too round. Yes. It, it's not that flirtation that was going on between her and, and Matt Smith. Yeah. And, and I really like that. And he, she is bringing some humanity out of Capaldi, but it's definitely really illustrating that the doctor is an alien, not so much the human that uh, Matt Smith and David Tennant brought into him. Mm-hmm. Completely agree. I think Jenna Coleman or Clara, at least, humanizes the doctor and taking that away in favor of a new companion at this point when people are still adjusting, even though it's been a whole season. People are still adjusting to Peter Capaldi, I think. Oh, definitely. And I certainly am, for one. But I'm glad she's sticking around. And I have to give the BBC a lot of credit here for kind of withholding that news. A lot of people would have been like, before the Christmas special would have said, oh, uh, we just wanted to announce that she's going to be around for another season. And that would have taken away that whole twist to that part of the story, which I feel is something we are missing out of on a lot of media. 
We knew that the doctor was regenerating way before it happened. We knew who it was going to be beforehand. And I didn't necessarily want to. Right. I would have much rather gotten it through the story. It would have been a bigger surprise to see uh, the end of Matt Smith's era without knowing that it was coming. And that is a way that I do feel like the Internet is kind of hurting the way that Mm. we're enjoying stories. Uh, And unfortunately, because (laughs) because we do this, we're even more tapped into it than even probably the mainstream is. But I was very happy that uh, that remained a surprise for the Christmas special for us. When I think about the last regenerations and changes of companions over the last, you know, five, six years, I was clued in to all of them mm-hmm. through the internet ahead of time. And had I not been there, there are some of those moments that uh, they were really well written. Yeah. But I think if I didn't know about them, the shock and just sadness would have like really been super effective, mm-hmm. even more so. And I mean, that's why we, you know, you try to escape from reality watching these things and to be able to be like emotionally moved by it right. would make them even better. Absolutely. So the spoilers are sort of, you know, it's great to know what's going mm-hmm. on. And, but I think it, you're right. At times it really does take away the impact of some of the programming that we like. Yeah. Here's a New Year's resolution for you. Watch less trailers. <laughs> yeah, right. If you know you're going to see something, go see it. Yeah. The less footage you see yeah. going in, the better. And speaking of trailers, what's with that Ant-Man teaser trailer garbage? That was crap. That was stupid. I was like, well, let me watch this. And then I was like, I'm not watching this. <laughs> it was so small. So I'm not doing this. Well, for one, I hate when they do teasers for trailers. Well, that's the new thing. It's the trailer before the trailer. Right. But this one was a teaser before a teaser for the teaser. Like, Ugh. it was just infuriating. Is it just, because people don't care about Ant-Man? Do they feel as though they need to do something to draw your attention to make you want to be like, well, who is this guy? I think, I think at this the majority point, of people know the X-Men. They know Superman. Yeah, they know yeah. Batman. But they're like, who the hell's Ant-Man? I think at this point, putting Marvel on something makes people interested enough mm. uh, to where they'll go, hey, Ant-Man, whatever. I'll see it. <laughs> did, they do something, did they do that many teasers for Guardians of the Galaxy? Because that's a, that's a pretty... Uh, lesser known property it until is. now i didn't know anything right. now about it's it. huge i course, watched but. one trailer and went mm, i'm interested yeah. in this yeah. these are new i wanted something new yeah and they were all new and now i'm hooked i can't wait to see another yeah. one they probably thought it was cute to do a stupid little ant size mm. teaser as they thought it was but i just thought it was a little bit idiotic it was a little mm. too much i don't know it came across as condescending to me like mm. stay tuned for the thing that we're gonna have you stay tuned for the other thing and mm-hmm. i don't know it, it's too much it's way too much Hey, Amazon users, if you'd like to help support the show, please go to thegeekgeneration.com slash Amazon, which will bring you right to the Amazon homepage. If you make a purchase after using this link, you've helped the show by earning us a commission, and it won't cost you any extra money. Please use this link for all your future Amazon shopping. That's thegeekgeneration.com slash Amazon. Hi, this is blank. (laughs) You're listening to the Geek Generation. Right? Yeah. You read it perfectly. All right, good. (laughs) Or is that supposed to be my name in there? Yeah. Hi, this is blank Brent Spiner. No. Hello. Hi, this is Brent Spiner. You're listening to the Geek Generation. Some sad news, unfortunately. 2014 has been a brutal year in terms of losing celebrities and apparently couldn't end without taking one more on New Year's Eve. 
Best known for the role of Richard Gilmore on Gilmore Girls, Edward Herman passed away after a battle with brain cancer. Mm. The 71-year-old actor also prominently appeared in the vampire movie The Lost Boys and had recurring roles on The Good Wife, Harry's Law, Grey's Anatomy, The Practice, and St. Elsewhere. Of course, I had to, we don't always cover celebrity deaths, but uh, being a huge Gilmore Girls fan like I am, I was very sad to hear about the passing of Edward Herman. He was so awesome in The Lost Boys. He really He's was. so great. Yeah. Never invite a vampire into your home, you silly boy. Renders you powerless. Yeah. <laughs> it, it was. It, he's amazing, an amazing character actor. Um, I actually looked at his IMDb page to really get a handle on his full career. It is long with his first role, uh, I believe, in 1971. So he's been active for a long, long time. And very sad to see him go. But uh, his his work is immortalized now, which is always amazing. And of course, on another Gilmore Girls related front, because I have to talk about it as much as possible, uh, with Parenthood wrapping up its sixth season run on NBC, the network is developing a new starring vehicle for my wife, Lauren Graham, titled Kate on Later. The single camera comedy, which is being co-written by and starring Graham, centers on Kate, who thought her day job was all her life would amount to when an opportunity arises that's bigger than she ever dreamed possible. But that opportunity means she's going to have to break one of the last remaining glass ceilings, the world of late night network television talk shows. Hmm. A lot of people were surprised that no females even really seem to be up for the late night roles. I believe Chelsea Handler was thrown around in the rumor mill a little bit as her show was ending on E. But I don't uh, think she would fit. I don't either. Um just well, for one, I think she's horribly humor. unfunny. Mm-hmm. So that's that's part well, of it. She tries to be raunchy too, and that's right. not going to go over. So right. They would they would dumb her down even more, and censor her. Right, and she would just be. It wouldn't work. She'd be on TV for a couple months, and they'd pull her. I know. I genuinely don't like someone's personality or humor when I hear them on Howard Stern, and I'm not even a fan of them after the interview because he has the ability to really make people likable. Yeah. And he likes her, I guess, or at least seems to very much in her humor. But she does just come across as like this elitist kind of I don't even want to say the words, but um, I don't know. It's not just she'll be the first type of person to be like, it's because I'm a powerful woman. And that offends people in a way or intimidates people in a way. But I don't know. I just don't find her funny. It's just the humor that doesn't do it for me. There are lots of powerful female comedians mm-hmm. out there that I think are hysterical. Joan Rivers was amazing. Yep. She was a powerful comedic voice on the female side. Uh, I think Sarah Silverman's funny. Mm-hmm. I think Whitney Cummings is very funny. But Chelsea Handler, no. Just not doing it. But as far as Lauren Graham, I am always happy to see more of her on television. Every time I've seen her on a late night talk show, she is amazing on it. She's always a really good guest. So I am uh, excited to see this nice mm-hmm. half hour comedy to something a little less dramatic than The Parenthood. <laughs> The spinoff series to AMC's The Walking Dead is starting to take shape as TV Line reports. The series will be set in Los Angeles. With the main series set in the heart of Atlanta, Georgia, it makes sense for the companion show to try out the West Coast. Mm. How do you guys feel about the setting change here? Do you watch Walking Dead? I do. Okay. Like, big fan. Now. Yeah, it me took too. me a while to get into the... I, I caught the first season on Netflix, mm. and it took me a while to get through it. But then once I got hooked into it, now I'm, you know, I, I watch each episode multiple times just yeah. to try to find out if there's mm. anything strange going on or, you know, they give you a lot of foreshadowing of what's going to happen later. Yeah. Um, I don't I, know how I feel about it being in LA. I don't. I don't know that I... Well, I don't know that I need another Walking Dead yeah. show. I'm so... You be, we've become so attached to these characters. First, the first thing is mm-hmm. now we got to learn a new group 
We got to care about the characters, which they'll do a good job of doing because as I played the video game, the Telltale games, the point and click, I actually became attached to the characters in the game. Mm-hmm. And you have to make decisions that alter your paths and people will die, people will live. And I'm like, oh, this sucks. So if they can do it in a video game, they can do it on TV right. again. But what's when's it going to run, too? Is this going to run while the other one's on break? Is it going to be on Saturday night when the other one's on Sunday? Like, it's almost going to become too much. Right. I, is think, it, I, I think when you guys had said that on a, a previous yeah, show, yeah. would it be running break? And I think that's the way to do it so that you you maybe have one or two weeks off from a, an ep, from one series to the next, but you don't have to yeah. wait this, you know, six months between series. Right. You get to stay in the world that you love being in. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see how they portray things on the West Coast. Mm-hmm. And what's going on there? What has happened yeah. through all this? Is it as bad? Is it worse? Is it, I mean, now we're in a, we saw what it was like in Atlanta. It was pretty bad. It'll be interesting to see how bad things are on the West Coast and what they can do with it. Mm-hmm. I was hoping that maybe some of the characters in, um, and I know they said it was going to be its own complete identity, mm-hmm. but some of the characters that seemed like they were getting either uh, brought one way or the other, either Carol or uh, when Beth was kidnapped. Mm-hmm. I was hoping maybe like Carol going her own way might be like the one. I think she's a strong enough person where she could have turned up on that show and maybe yeah. been the centerpiece and given you a reason to invest. I know that they wanted to have its own identity, but that would have been, I think, the way to spin it off and then have people be instantly invested. Yeah. You know, if, if it's you're sort of starting off following. All right. Here we are six months later from when Carol was cast out by you know by things and she's over there and that's where she's found her way to that might have been a way to do it but it'll be interesting to see um are they who's writing this like, i believe it's it the same creative same team. creative team yeah All right. well then i have faith that's a, that's a lot of writing to do too it is I mean, and on top of them doing the comic books the guys that are still like, robert kirkman's the only one left involved right yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, i'm not sure i'm not sure exactly who the creative team is but i mean there's always the chance that they'll pull one or two people from the primary team and kind of bring them over and be like, okay, well, this is the way we do things. And my other fear is now let's relate it back to wrestling. Mm -hmm. We had Monday night raw and we looked forward to it every week and it got big and it got bigger and bigger and it took over. And then we're like, we're going to give you a SmackDown. Mm -hmm. All right. Now I have too much. Now I don't really care. Now you have five hours a week of that. Exactly. Oh, I agree. But that's if it's running at the same time though, right? Well, no, because, well, you would have SmackDown on Friday. Well, no, I mean, as far but, as the, the, uh, the runtime, like SmackDown and Raw yeah. are always running at the same time. They're always both ongoing. Yeah. If this series is running uh, like during the during same the time period that the primary show is running, but if it's running during the break. So you've got it during the winter break and right. the summer break. I can see the, the Raw SmackDown comparison if they're running simultaneously. Yeah. Because then you're going, well, one of these, then it's an automatic comparison of one of right. these is not as good as the other. Mm-hmm. So the one that's not quite as good is not going to be watched as much and has the potential to fail. I mean, I will watch it. Yeah. In my head, I already don't care because I only want to care about Rick and Carl and Michonne and, you know, everybody there. Hmm. I was like, oh. Do you feel like you're cheating on them? I don't know. <laughs> no, I don't feel like I'm cheating on them. But I, I just feel like, I don't know. I want to see what happens to them. I'm so invested now in mm-hmm. them that that's what I care about. Hmm. Interesting. We'll see. Deadline is reporting that veteran character actress Kim Dickens, who recently made a lasting impression for her role as a police detective in Gone Girl, has taken the lead female role in AMC's The Walking Dead companion series. As previously reported, the female lead will be a guidance counselor who is in a relationship with a divorced teacher. With two children from a previous marriage, her character will also have a dark past which comes back to haunt her. She's been primarily a character actress, so this will be kind of a a lead opportunity for her. Did either of you see Gone Girl and uh, see her in that? Oh, I 
I did watch Gone Girl on Christmas. Oh, did you? Yeah, I long. just watched it the other night. Actually, it was it was good. Long I, movie. It was long, two hours and but forty. But I, I enjoyed it quite a bit, good and she movie. was very good in it. The, so the the main girl, the main that's... the main uh, police officer. Yes, yeah, yeah, the one that's kind of leading the investigation. Mm-hmm. She will be the female lead. I like that. I like that too. Even though I'm not going to watch the show, it was a good I movie. Guess. I recommend people see it. <laughs> yeah, 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 absolutely. NBC has announced that Constantine will be returning on Friday, January 16th in a brand new time slot, 8 p.m. instead of 10 p.m. With concerns following the first season limitation to 13 episodes, the move to primetime shows the network's confidence in the show. At least I think it does. Well, this cause there's a there's a different demographic, though, at eight o'clock and 10 o'clock. I feel there like is. at 10 o'clock you can push the boundaries a bit more mm-hmm. because kids are asleep at True. eight o'clock. Kids are up. True. So will they? Ed- I wonder if they're going to require them to edit the show a bit more. Well, here's the thing: this is uh, if they're just bringing it back and changing the time, those shows are done. Mm. So what they would have shown at ten o'clock, they're going to show at eight. They're going to show at eight. I wonder if that will come with complaints, though. It's possible. They might. I think it's an yeah. interesting experiment and one that the show needs to survive. Yeah. Friday night is referred to as the death slot by a lot of people, especially a ten o'clock show. So I think moving it to 8 p.m. is probably their best shot at staying alive at this point when they're when they're worried about a second season. It's one of those shows. What I've seen of it, I really liked. I do, too. Um, It's just one of those. I'm waiting for a really bad snowy day so I can binge watch what I haven't seen. (laughs) Yeah. Um, You know, it's on Hulu, so I'll catch up at some point. But what I did see, the first three or four episodes were really cool. And we have gotten some uh, hints within Constantine as well to other things in the DC universe. I mean, in the pilot episode alone, we saw Fate's Helmet, Fate's Helmet. I was, which I was, I was blown oh, away. yeah, I, I was shocked that they did that right away. And I loved it. I am hoping that the series goes on long enough to where we actually get to see Fate because he's such an awesome character. But they also recently in an episode had Jim Corrigan show up and we got a quick, quick glimpse of the Spectre, which is another amazing thing. So they're also kind of playing with a bigger universe, but I think one that's also separate from some of DC's own properties because they're not going to go cross network either. And they, at this point, have shows on like every other network except for ABC, which they obviously won't do Mm. because ABC is owned by Disney and Marvel and all that stuff. So uh, I don't know. I I hope Constantine survives. I think it's a show that is not great right now, but it's good and it has a lot of potential. And I think it could be great. We don't normally cover music news necessarily, but uh, being a rock and roll fan, I uh, had to cover this one. I was very interested. Those who think rock is dead are in for a rude awakening if new supergroup Teenage Time Killer has anything to say about it. The metal supergroup thought up by Corrosion of Conformity's Mike Dean and Reed Mullen will be releasing their debut album in the not-so-distant future. While the roster of talent appearing on the album is too large to list, some of the most notable names included are the Foo Fighters' Dave Grohl, Mm. Slipknot's Corey Taylor... Queen of the Stone Ages, Nick Olivieri, and Lamb of Gods, Randy Blythe. I think this is badass. Take my money now. (laughs) Send me the CD when it's done. I'll take a hard copy, a digital copy, whatever. Sounds awesome. Absolutely, yeah. I love every every part of this. And they're recording in Dave Grohl's studio, too, with that legendary board that he has. 
So uh, this sounds amazing on every single front, really. Corey Taylor is such an underrated. Well, now he's getting his due, but he's really an underrated vocalist. Yeah, agree. Thinks of him as, as you know, Slipknot, Corey Taylor, and all the you know the the heavy vocals he does. But he really, I mean, fantastic singer. And this is his third project that he's involved in, right? That he's got Slipknot. That What's I'm aware of. Stone, uh, Sour. Stone Sour. Stone Sour. And he, yeah. he does some other. Like he's done stuff with Slash. Mm. Yep. Um, he was up for almost. He was almost the singer, the second singer for Velvet Revolver. Oh no way! When, um, really? Yeah. So he's he's fantastic. And Dave Grohl. I, I feel like everything Dave Grohl puts his fingers on turns to gold. Seems he's just awesome. He's so talented. Yeah, and he's such a friggin' great person too. <clears> like, <throat> like all around, he's someone you hear on Howard and you go, yeah, that guy. And then you just hear about all the other stuff he does too. So his friggin' <laughs> ice bucket challenge with the carry parody and stuff. Come on, that guy's the best. Former Mad Men and the Tomorrow People star Peyton List has joined the cast of The Flash as Lisa Snart, the worst last name in the history of comic <laughs> books, uh, the sister of Captain Cold. Lisa will attempt to join up with her brother's rogues gang in the series, much like she did in the source material, where she went by the name Golden Glider. Uh, for people that don't know who Peyton List is, I, I provided you guys with an image, too, and I'll put an image up on the site. For one, she is absolutely gorgeous. But this is the second person that the CW has poached from the failed Tomorrow People series they had going and put in into the Flash. The first is the uh, uh, Robbie Amell, Stephen Amell's cousin, I believe, mm-hmm. who is playing uh, Ronnie, Ronnie Ray Raymond, Raymond yep. uh, or Firestorm. Firestorm. Good God, what's wrong with me right now? Having all sorts of brain fights. But Peyton List was also in the Tomorrow People, and she will also obviously be making the switch over to Flash. The CW loves doing this. They love taking people from other series and just reusing them in new ones all the time. It's how Supernatural got made back in the day. I think when they were still the WB, uh, they they pulled two people from other successful shows and put them together. And obviously that's doing very well for them. But uh, I'm excited to see her join the Flash. Legendary Pictures has adjusted their upcoming <laughs> schedule, retitling Skull Island to Kong Skull Island and moving the release from November 2016 to March 10th, 2017. A plot synopsis has also been revealed. Kong Skull Island will fully immerse audiences in the mysterious and dangerous home of the King of the Apes as a team of explorers ventures deep inside the treacherous primordial island. Legendary's story honors the foundations of existing King Kong lore, but places it in an entirely new, distinct timeline. It's also been announced that J.K. Simmons has signed on to appear in the film, joining the previously cast Tom Hiddleston. Hmm. And who doesn't love J.K. Simmons? I haven't seen Whiplash yet, but I'm hearing amazing things about his performance in that and the movie itself. I don't know if you guys have seen it. I have no idea what it's Mm -hmm. about. Lots of things I've heard about Whiplash. Hmm. Are you guys excited for a King Kong kind of origins movie? Uh, No. (laughs) I I don't know. I mean... I think it's great that they are actually rebranding it, adding the Kong name to it. Mm-hmm. That will bring. I actually spent Christmas like three days around Christmas watching nothing but Godzilla films. Oh yeah. So I went back and did the uh, the L Ray Network, which is amazing. Had uh, their Christmas Kaiju Chaos. Oh wow. They, for like fifty something hours, they played nothing but Godzilla films. Oh wow. And um, it really made me want to go back and see like the original. I actually just queued up in in Netflix. I put the. Uh, the the eighty ver- the nineteen eighties version of King Kong in there to watch mm-hmm. that again. So I, I think you know if it's done right, I think having a uh, a giant monster type movie is is pretty cool. Mm. I'll give it a shot, especially with the, with the cast that they've announced. I mean, Tom Hiddleston's been fantastic in the Thor movies. Yeah, yeah. Are you a big Godzilla fan to begin with? 
and um, like big monster movie type deals? I was when I was little, and then the the Godzilla that we were fed over the last twenty five years has been pretty awful. Yeah, uh, for the most part. So going back and and watching uh, the actual the Toho ones where you know you've got Ghidorah and and Mothra, and mm. it was it reminded me yeah. why having the big plastic Godzilla in in your room as a kid was awesome. <laughs> Did you like the new one? That's what I was going to ask too. Yeah. Um, I was I didn't love it. I liked it. I, I thought that the the build to actually seeing Godzilla and like I, I almost likened the final battles as as almost a wrestling match because you know he's getting beat down and then suddenly you know his 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 spines all glow and here's his high spot with, yeah, with mm-hmm. the with the, the nuclear blast out of his mouth and it was it wasn't bad it was I think it was a little long and it took a really too long I think to actually see Godzilla in mm. in his part you know in in whole but and, I mean I didn't feel like I wasted my money when I went to see okay. it. I think that's exactly how we we kinda, did we like that. This <laughs> was a metaphor match. too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, they really earned every every action spot that they yeah. had with Godzilla. Like there were a lot of people complaining that they didn't that Godzilla didn't get enough screen time. But I think they had to do it that way so that he really earned every single moment given and made it that much more powerful. Because every time we saw Godzilla, it was either a tease of like, oh, I want more, yeah. or it was, yeah. holy shit, look at what just right. happened. <laughs> it was it was awesome. And I agree with you that it was a little bit too long, um, yeah. and some of the story was not as strong as it could have been. But as far as treating the monster and the monster battles right, I don't think they could have done that mm. any better. I think there was a little more reverence in this one than the previous Godzilla, where it seemed more like it was like Jurassic Park 4 right. or whatever. Yes, you know? yeah, completely agree there. Variety reports that Sega is moving forward with live action and animated adaptations based on their games. Oh, boy. The company has hired (laughs) Evan uh, Chalfin as head of development and production at Tokyo-based Studios International to produce films, TV shows, and entertainment for digital platforms. Stories International is moving forward with Altered Beast, Streets of Rage, Shinobi, Rise of Nightmares, and Crazy Taxi first as live-action and animated projects. Virtua Fighter and Golden Axe are also properties that could be adapted. It is unclear which project will become a feature film, a TV show, or a digital series at this time. Are there any of these on this list that you guys actually care about seeing in some form of uh, adapted media? Uh, I worry about that. I mean, Crazy Taxi, when it was a video game, in the in in the arcades mm-hmm. was one of my I wasted so much money on that game. You could change. I mean, they had that Offspring song that was in it, and I would just you know drive like a maniac. Right, <laughs> right, right. Um, Altered Beast was a really good game, but it I was. mean, but again, that's just it's it's a transformation media. Yeah. It's it's a human that changes over to. I think whether. Altered Beast is a nostalgically good game. Yeah, I think oh, yeah, if you went was. back and played, it's pretty terrible. You, you know, though, I have I have Golden Axe for. Uh, I love for, Golden Axe. I have it for on one of the Sega compilations for the uh, Nintendo Game Boy yep. uh, Advanced, and um, it still it holds up. It's not a bad game. I mean, the graphics aren't terrific. I loved but, playing the Golden Axe cabinet in an arcade. Yeah, that was what I, and I noted when when I saw that come up. I said it was one of the few games that I could play one character and beat it from beginning to end yes. with one quarter. Yeah. If I played that dwarf character, you just do that running. Head. It was like two taps forward, and he'd run across the screen and headbutt anybody who came near him. Yeah, <laughs> and it was yeah. just with his horns. And that was, it was a cool game, though. And you could jump on on the yeah. mounts and whatnot, and take different you know different weapons. I, I really dug that game. Mm. I don't know how it translates to not just being Lord of the Rings, though. Yeah, exactly. You know? Yep. And I played the crap out of Streets of Rage. Yeah. To the point where I actually just re-downloaded them. Were you over playing with me? Yeah, we played yeah, a while we, ago. We yeah. played a while ago. I have it on Xbox. All three of them. Virtual Fighter wasn't horrible either. I mean, it wasn't 
it wasn't fantastic, but mm. I was working in an arcade when that came out. Mm. So um, that was pretty cool. I mean, it was, I had free access to play it. So when you, when you figured out that the wolf guy actually did like 40 pro wrestling moves and you, <laughs> yes. you knew the combination, yes. you could kick somebody and power bomb them. Right. <laughs> it was pretty awesome. <laughs> I'm wondering about how many of these, like I'm not familiar, super familiar with all of these titles. Cause I was a Nintendo guy growing up and not necessarily a Sega <clears> one. <throat> But I'm wondering about how many of these actually have rich backstories that would actually lend themselves to some sort of an expanded story. Or are they just going to go with the brand recognition of some of these things and build a world behind it? Mm -hmm. Like, is this going to lead to another Mario Brothers movie that has nothing to do with the actual property? Mario itself actually had a backstory, though, that Mm -hmm. was just ignored and in favor of whatever they decided to make. But something like Alter Beast, I don't think has a huge rich rich backstory. No. Uh, Shinobi might be the one out of all of these that actually has something to go on because they've had enough titles to where they probably built up some sort of mythology behind it. But yeah. like, like you said, Crazy Taxi, like what the hell? It's, a, it's, <laughs> I mean, a, it's I think, an action it, driving game. What's the taxi game that's on uh, Cash Cab? Isn't yeah. that crazy taxi? Yeah. I mean, this, like, we could just rebrand that. It's just speed with a taxi now. Right. Just, or, or Fast and the Furious with uh, <laughs> a gang of street racing taxi cars. Right. I mean, <laughs> none knows? of these might even happen. They might look at it and go, we can't do this. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe that's an, uh, that's a future smash up category is Maybe. taking some nostalgic old video games that really don't have stories and trying to put some together for them. But uh, it's interesting to see uh, more old nostalgic properties that we're familiar with kind of coming back around. Granted, that's not a, an entirely new concept for well, Hollywood. I would like to see them come back around in the form of a good video game. Yeah. 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 That's always nice first. Yeah. Let's let's build up the brand again with an actual good game that's modern mm. and then go from there. Yeah. That's not a bad idea. Last story here. Uh, yeah. I thought it might be nice every now and then to try and end the news and end the show with something a little more positive because we tend to go out of the news segments with some pretty dark and disturbing stuff, at least for us, maybe a little depressing. But uh, successful celebrities taking the time to give back is always nice and something that Taylor Swift focused on this past holiday season. Probably never thought you'd hear that name on this show. (laughs) Taylor Swift. Uh, The Grammy winner recently posted a video on YouTube documenting her activities, which are now being referred to as Swift Miss. According to captions in the video, Taylor would intently study some of her fans' likes, jobs, and whereabouts via social media. Then a single Santa emoji would appear in their comments from the singer. Mm. Swift spent time personally picking out, shopping for, wrapping gifts, and writing cards for those loyal fans. She even drove to Connecticut to hand-deliver gifts to one mom and son on her list. There's a video that documents all of these activities uh, that not only shows Taylor hard at work, but also includes many reactions from fans who filmed themselves opening the presents. Of course, mm. you can watch that video. I will post it in the show notes over at thegeekgeneration.com. I thought it was a very uplifting video. And some people might say, even though the Internet did not have this reaction at all, and I didn't really bump into anything kind of implying this, I, I was waiting for some negative comments mm. of people being like, oh, so self-promoting and you only did this to get the positive PR out of it. I did not get that impression. I feel like this was genuinely someone just trying to be nice and give back to their fans. Let's hope so. 
I don't want to take away from from what she did, but she does live in Rhode Island, so a drive to Connecticut. I was just gonna <laughs> say, it's like it's not like she's in L.A. She or Nashville or anything like that. And literally driving. lives three miles from me. True, I could drive to Taylor Swift. Yeah. Now I'm not gonna get close to it because there are actually <laughs> security guards everywhere yeah, over there, no doubt. But um, Route Two, she could have been in Connecticut in ten right, minutes, fifteen right. minutes. Yeah. So even driving to Connecticut isn't that big of a deal. But it's still it's 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 the the thought and what she. But she did it, and she yeah. took herself. I mean, really, you're putting yourself in harm's way to drive to any right. fan's house. How many people? People went I mean, and dropped off like a bag of clothes at Salvation Army or just yeah. stayed home and went like, you know what? That's that's like far. And it certainly, <laughs> it certainly sounds like she didn't just, all right, I'm going to pick a bunch of people who follow me and then drop off gifts. I mean, she actually did some research as mm-hmm. to what they might like or need and made it sort of tailor made to them. And Oh, look well, at you. Oh, this guy. Yeah. Look at you. I almost hurt just doing that. Um, <laughs> but, but I, you know, it sounds like she, she put thought into it, yeah. which is pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. You got to give people credit for that. And granted, again, people could be like, well, uh, other people do tons of nice stuff all the time and don't shine a light on or whatever. But let's let's forget all that and just be like, let's hey, lay, let's hope that other celebrities will do something like this yeah. out of the kindness of their hearts. I love these little things when when these type of things pop up, like Howard Stern a couple of years ago deciding to drunk dial a lot of his fans that just tweeted him their phone number and stuff. That stuff's awesome. They're great stories. Uh, and yeah, these people are held to a different standard. So you have to, you can't just be like, well, anybody could do that. Well, yeah, but these people don't have to, they, they've, <laughs> they've got a very comfortable lifestyle, I'm sure at this point. And, uh, it's nice to see anybody doing anything nice for anybody. Yes. So we'll end on that note for this week. Uh, is there a final thought or something you would like to plug Mike Volby? Oh, well. I do a lot of shopping online, and I've been shopping at thegeekgeneration.com slash Amazon. Oh, that's very nice of you. That's right. So if I can do it, you can do it. That's right. Matt West? You know, if you're a student, you can actually nowadays buy your books through that same link. That is true. I try and do that as well. That is true. (laughs) Um, Actually, uh, check out my band at longshotvoodoo.com. Oh. One of my two bands, but that'll be the one I plug this time around. Where are you guys (laughs) playing? Yeah, we play, um, right now we've been... Rhode Island, Massachusetts, yeah. uh, very limited uh, dates because we sort of put on it. We're not like a bar band. We kind of put yeah. on shows when we play. So it's, it's an interesting sort of vibe that we put out there. Stay cool. tuned for the uh, announcement of the opening dates for Teenage Time Killer in the future. <laughs> right. <laughs> I wish. <laughs> <laughs> uh, to see everything else that we do, head on over to thegeekgeneration.com. If you use iTunes, please rate the show and write a review. We always appreciate those. You can follow us at Geek Generation on Twitter. You can follow us on Tumblr at thegeekgeneration.tumblr.com. Follow me on Twitter and Instagram at the Night Angel. Support the show by going to thegeekgeneration.com slash support. You can send emails with your questions, comments, feedback to podcast at thegeekgeneration.com. And as always, the show theme is provided by Machine Supremacy. Link to their site can also be found on our site. Thank you for listening. We will be back next week with more new stuff for you. Later. See ya. Make it so.